And so the goal for this series is to introduce people to Jesus, which is what we're always trying to do, is to introduce people to Jesus. But I want to kind of add something to that this morning. I love to introduce people to Jesus, but I really love to introduce them to you. Because I think you're cool. I think you're incredible. I think because Jesus is living on the inside of you, that makes you abnormal. Who wants to be normal this morning? Anybody want to be normal? Come on, normal ain't working. So I love introducing people to you because I think that that Jesus loves his church. In fact, I was pondering this morning how Jesus, when, when he started his ministry, he came out of the desert. He started his ministry after being tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. And he starts what? He starts gathering people together, right? Jesus didn't go through the planet for three and, year, three and a half years and walk his territory by himself. What did he do? He gathered some folks with him. Jesus was in the business of putting people together. Jesus never intended for ministry to be done alone. If so, he would have done it alone because he would be the only one that could ever do it alone. But instead, he brought other people with him and he had a master plan in mind that one day I'm going to ascend into heaven. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit down to help these folks. But I need to establish a church, a family of believers while I'm here. So he took 12 men, gathered them up close to himself. And even when he did the ministry work, you remember, he sent them out at least two by two. At a minimum, he sent them out two by two. When he went to the Mount of Transfiguration, he brought three of them with him. When he went to the garden, he brought the whole discipleship crew with him. And then he took three more even deeper into the garden. Jesus never intended to do ministry by himself. And he doesn't intend us to do ministry by ourselves. You may have heard us say this before, but church is not a place you go, but a family you belong to. Can I get a better amen? You're going to participate today, I'm telling you right now. Go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse 9. It says this, it may read a little bit different on the screen. I'll tell you what, I'll read it from the screen if you'll pop it up real quick. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Is that all of it? Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, unless your wife has flashes. But how can one be warm alone? (laughs) Come on, y'all know it's real. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. That verse right there says that you're more powerful when you're connected. In fact, if if you're just connected with one, you're more powerful. But if you can get one more, you're not easily broken. And my fear is that the church today, is, it's, it's, a, it's a big society. And I was thinking about this last night. Me and my son were at the LSU game, and the game was slow, and I had a lot of time to think. And, and so I was processing church, you know. And, and I thought, I, I belong to the biggest society on the planet. I belong to God's church. It's massive. 
In fact, he took me, a little podunk boy out of, well, a podunk boy out of Franklin and, and, and allowed me to be a leader in this church, uneducated. Holla. I belong to the biggest society, but I don't do this by myself. Social media has proven to us that you can't replace love with likes. People took off with this social media thing, and and it's all about trying to gain approval. It's trying to get people to likeness, trying to gain affirmation. I mean, I was tempted last night to take a selfie of me and my son at the LSU game, you know, like everybody else does when you get free tickets to the worst game of the season. And, and everybody's like, hey, we're at the LSU game. And everybody's going, ah, you got suckered. You gave, you, somebody gave you those free tickets because the game wasn't no good. And, but I didn't. I said, you know what, this is me and my son's personal time. I'm not trying to win anybody's approval. I had to check my motives. But you see, too many of us today, we're trying to get people to say, I like that, I like that, I like that, to replace the love that we really need. The love that's found in biblical community. You see, there's a lot of love in God's church because it's his family. Amen? It's his family, so it's got to be filled with love. How many of you have heard of the redwood trees? How many of you ever heard of the redwood trees? Anybody ever see a redwood tree? Just You've seen it? Man, I'm so jealous. I hear they're massive. I hear there's some of them that you can actually drive through the tree. Is that true? Did you drive through one? What? One day I'm going to get out of Louisiana, I'm telling you. One day. But you know, a redwood tree can grow to over 350 feet high, but its root system at max is only five foot deep. You say, well, that's kind of unbalanced. It seems like a gentle wind from South Louisiana would blow that over, right? But here's the secret to the redwood tree. Though it only goes five foot deep, it networks its roots with other trees. And so what you end up having is this forest. You can't see it, but it's a forest of connectivity. It's a forest of unity. It's a forest of joining root systems together. So it's not like it's one individual tree. It's a whole forest of trees that are connected together. And you can't knock them puppies down. Right? And listen to me. The bigger you get, the more you grow spiritually, the more you need connectivity. Can I get a better amen? You need people in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, you need somebody. Look at your other neighbor and say, I'm here to help you. We is always better than me. Amen? We is better than me. So, so how are we better together? Number one, together you gain wisdom. <laughs> Can somebody say Amen. Together you gain wisdom. Proverbs 13, 20 says, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. I just feel like that's worth reading again. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. How many of you ever got sucked in by your buddy who's a fool? And you became a fool. Okay, y'all ain't being honest this morning. I know I'm not the only one. 
Okay, I got three witnesses. All right, that means it's true. But that verse says that if it to become wise, you need to walk with wise people. What does that mean? That means to live and hang out with and spend your time with and talk to and communicate with wise people. How many of you can honestly say this morning, I've spent too much time with fools? <laughs> I've just spent too much time with fools. It's time for me to get around some wise people because I want to become wise. I'm a boy from Franklin, Louisiana. There ain't much came good out of Franklin, Louisiana. My language is bad. My education's lacking. But I've hung out with wise people. And I'm not the same boy that left Franklin, Louisiana. I'm wiser <laughs> than that. I wasn't sure if that was right. So we'll just see this example in motion right there. See, <laughs> We're never meant to walk through this life alone. Never meant to walk through it alone. I've heard somebody saying, you've probably heard this too, but if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Hey, if all your friends are unemployed, go get some new friends. If all your friends are divorcing, go get some new friends. If they're getting arrested, get some new friends. Amen? Don't be afraid to change. Get around some folks that are wise. You want a great marriage? You need to hang around some folks with a great marriage. You want to have some great kids? You need to get around some folks that train their kids right. And listen to me. Don't be over positive on yourself. You know good kids from bad kids. I mean, come on. The church is way too nice. I mean, seriously, we look at people and say, oh, oh, them kids is bad. Oh, my. But you won't ever say it. (laughs) Well, Pastor, that's not nice. You're right. It's not nice. I want great kids, so I'm going to hang out with some folks that parent better than I do. Right? I thank God for my pastor and his wife because I didn't know how to be a daddy. But I got around him and he showed me. And I got around some other folks and they showed me. And hey, I'm still learning today. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) Education isn't done. I haven't graduated. So number one. Together we gain wisdom. Number two, together you gain healing. You gain healing. James 5, 16 has become one of my favorite verses in the last couple of weeks. Seems like it keeps popping up. But confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. So what? Okay. Confess. And pray, and the result is healing. Confess, pray, equals healing. Confession and prayer equals healing. Confession to one another, prayer for one another, results in healing. I'm telling you more than ever before, these last couple of weeks, I've heard this verse time and time again. We've kicked off our freedom groups. And even, even Tuesday night, I had a group. And, 
and we, we have a, 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 just a discussion time where we break the women off into a, a quiet room somewhere on the other side of the building, and we put the guys in the corner, and, and we just start to share what the Holy Spirit's been dealing with us about. And I'm telling you, I wasn't ready for Tuesday night. Tuesday night, one guy sits down, and I say, okay, guys, you know, what's the Holy Spirit been showing you that, that may have distanced you from God? And boom, the first guy just like confesses. I was like, and then he calls the second guy to confess. And I was like, and then before you know it, the whole group confessed. And I was like, I wasn't thrown back because of what they were doing. I was thrown back because their confession started the process of their healing. And we discovered through conversation that the enemy wants to isolate you. He wants to get you over here all by yourself and with your little problem. And he wants you to hide with your problem. And he wants you to, you can fix it. You can do it. He might even encourage you. You can do it all by yourself. You don't need to tell nobody. Just, just work harder at it. You, you can do Don't tell nobody about your sin. That's what the enemy wants you to do. He don't want you to tell somebody that you got an anger problem. He don't want you to tell somebody that you're looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at. He don't want you to tell somebody that you've got a gossip problem because then people won't talk to you anymore. <laughs> he wants to isolate you. So if that's what the enemy wants to do, then what do we as the church need to do? We need to not isolate and we need to get some people around us and confess. Man, that was just good preach. I don't care what y'all say. I was about to take my own notes. I mean, seriously. Because here's the truth. The truth is, is if the enemy can keep you quiet, he can keep you bound. I wonder if the key to his chain is not your tongue. I wonder if when the words come out of your mouth that I get angry, if chains don't start to fall from you. You know why? Because you've just exposed what the enemy's doing. You've just exposed. It's almost like you went, here's my chains. I've been trying to get them off and I can't. Will you help me? (laughs) If the temptation is to be quiet, then start speaking. If the temptation is to hide, then come out from hiding. Because if that's the temptation, then that's what the enemy wants you to do. That's what he wants you to do. So what do you do? You step out and you find somebody that you can trust. And you say, hey, can I talk to you? Man, what's up? I'm struggling, man. Honestly. I'm struggling. Can you pray for me? But you see, we don't want to do that. I wonder why. I mean, I know that the, the enemy, the enemy can't make you stay isolated. He can convince you. But I wonder if sometimes it's not our own doing. If we just don't go, you know what? 
I got this reputation. We think too highly of ourselves. I got this reputation that I'm all that in a bag of chips. And if I tell somebody, I'm going to lose my chips. I, I, I don't know if I can handle what people are going to say about me. I don't want people to judge me. I don't want them to think less of me. Listen to me. When guys, when my guys come to me and they say, Pastor, I've been struggling with this. And they just get open and real and honest. Can I tell you, there's a holy respect that rises up inside of me that says, you know what? I respect you more than I did before because you're open and you're honest and you're not hiding anything. And now you can be healed. Right? Let it go. Let your pride go. Call somebody. Hey, man. (laughs) I'm done. Can you help? I'm telling you, you learn how to get that James 5 right. Get James 5 right. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's no healing in hiding. You're only as sick as your secrets. I want to read a story to you about a girl from our Jennings campus. Her name is Samantha. And Samantha wrote this story about herself. She said, I'd just gotten through with inner healing when I'd heard about freedom. Inner healing is a 16-week intensive healing course and she said i just gotten through with inner healing when i heard about freedom i wasn't going to join what more could i need well needless to say i joined a freedom group not knowing why just that i was called by god to join in the last two weeks of the class god decided god dredged up my past i wasn't happy at all about it you see satan had been tempting me with porn which I thought was gone from my mind months ago. Yes, I just busted the myth that it is only men who are tempted with such things. I had struggled with that for years, but didn't know why. I'm a Christian. I love God. I go to church. I read my Bible. I'm now happily married. So why all of these thoughts? Then one day God revealed to me that I had been hurt in the past. I was too young to remember, so I always thought it was just a weird dream. So I just swept it under the rug, buried it in dirt, and poured concrete over it. At first, I didn't want to say anything. It was such a taboo thing for a woman, much less someone like me, to deal with. So I prayed, and God gave me the courage to reach out to my leader, who reassured me that I wasn't alone. I wasn't a freak, and that I could overcome these thoughts and temptations. I've accepted what happened. I've forgiven my offender, and now I'm able to move on. I'm no longer held down with guilt and shame. I'm no longer a prisoner of these thoughts. God allowed freedom to be the tool which he led me to find this freedom. And I go, she put it in writing. She put it out there. And that takes some courage. That takes some boldness, but let me tell you something else it takes. It takes some genuine brokenness to finally say, I need help. I need help. I'm struggling. I need help. We're better together. So number one, together we gain wisdom. Number two, we gain healing. Number three, together we gain protection. Go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 21. 
You getting something yet? 2 Samuel 21. I'll let you know when I get there. <laughs> Starting in verse 15. Many of you know David fought Goliath, right? It was his first giant. How did David defeat Goliath? With a sling and five smooth stones, right? That's what he did. He went out to the battlefield, put his rock in his sling, defeated the giant that nobody else was brave enough to touch. David defeated him, walked up to him, took his sword, cut his head off. He defeated his giant by himself, though it was with God's help, but there was no other brothers around with him. But many of us don't talk about David's last giant that he faced. And it's found in 2 Samuel chapter 21, starting in verse 15. It says, Once again the Philistines were at war with Israel. And when David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became weak and exhausted. Ishbi Benab was a, was a descendant of the giants. His bronze spearhead weighed more than seven pounds. And he was armed with a new sword. He had conquered David. He had cornered David and was about to kill him. But, say but. Say but again. Say but one more time. I just wanted to say it three times. But Abishai, son of Zeruah, came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine. David's pinned in the corner. He's about to lose his life. It's a giant with a brand new sword about to take him out. And here comes a brother from another mother. Come on, somebody. We got the same daddy, but we got other mothers. <laughs> here comes a brother to kill the giant for him. Can I tell you, there's sometimes you're going to face things that you can never overcome on your own, but that God intended for you to overcome with other people. You need other people in your life. You need other people to watch your back. You need other people to watch your sides. Come on, somebody. You need people to watch over your soul. You need some folks to watch over your children. Right? David faced his last giant with a brother. And he conquered him. The bigger you are, the bigger your giants are. Ecclesiastes 4.12 from a different translation says, By yourself you're unprotected. With a friend you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A third stranded rope isn't easily snapped. It's funny how the world will tell you that you got to be, to be strong, you got to be independent. Strength is, it comes with independence. It's like I got to be my own man. I can't have nobody help me. You follow what I'm saying? I never forget my, 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 my wife tells this story of her daddy who was, he was an independent man. And, and he didn't like charity and, and, you know, kind of the old old school mentality. And they were at the store and the chip man was there. And the chip man was a nice guy. And the chip man tried to give Cheryl a bag of free chips. And her daddy walked up and said, no, 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 no. We'll go inside and pay for him. Do you know that same thing resides inside of some of us this morning? You know what? I don't need no help. I'm not reaching out. I'm not calling nobody. I don't need people don't need to know my business. I'm not telling them what I'm walking through. I got this. I'm going to be all right. I'm not even going to tell my wife I'm struggling. 
I heard Jesse Duplantis say one time, you got a, you got a lust problem, just tell your wife. You'll be cured in a minute. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> but we don't want to tell nobody. We think the strength is in independence. I'm going to walk alone. I'm going to do this by myself. I'm the man. But even, even in sports, you can put LeBron James on your team. And LeBron James can't win a ring by himself. You can't do it. There's strength in numbers is what the Bible's saying. Number four, together you gain encouragement. How many of you would say, I could use a little encouragement, Pastor? It's been a rough week, Pastor. I could use a little bit of encouragement. Watch this verse in 2 Corinthians. I love this verse. It says, chapter 7, it says, When we arrived at Macedonia, this is Paul speaking, he said, there was no rest for us. We face conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us not with a spoken word. God didn't say you can do it. God didn't say that. What did God do? Watch this. He encouraged us by the arrival of who? Titus. Some dude named Titus. God encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. His presence was a joy. His presence was a joy. I wonder if some of us aren't struggling and some of us aren't depressed and some of us aren't just really bummed. Because we don't have a Titus in our life. You know, my wife and I, we, we, we take a lot of phone calls during the week. And I mean, that's what we do. That's, that's, that's our ministry. It's what we, we take a lot of phone calls. We'll, we'll go meet with people and we'll, we'll sit down and, and give hours and hours of just talking to people. And, and honestly, I, I just want to say it's mostly just listening. And we, and we try to listen and we try to see what the enemy's lying about and and, and this is what happens afterwards. We listen. Then we, we address the lie. And then we usually encourage. It's not some pre-planned system. It's just the way the Holy Spirit leads us. And then when we get up to go and we pray, usually there's some... <laughs> and this is what most people say. Thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you so much for listening to me. Thank you so much for being here. And can I tell you what I want to say on the inside? You finally get to hear it. <laughs> Why you took so long? Why did you give the enemy so much time? Why have you let him torment you for so long and beat you down and isolate you and keep you bound up? Why didn't you reach out sooner? Why not sooner? Why didn't you call when it first happened? Why didn't you reach out when it first happened? Why are you trying to carry this all by yourself? I feel like sometimes I'm just, I'm forcing myself on people. I'm going around like, hey, 
Can I help you? Do you need something? Can I, can I help? Can I help you lift you? You need some encouragement? Hey, hey, can, can I help you? You okay? Hey, man, how you doing? I'll call. Hey, how's it going? What you doing? What you up to? Can I just be honest with you? It feels weird sometimes. I feel like I'm being a stalker. Sometimes I hate to call people. I'm like, ah. And I feel like I got this whole torment thing. I got the Holy Spirit on one side saying, call so-and-so. I'm like, yeah, I know, Lord, but golly, I always call him. I know, keep calling him. I'm like, oh. And so I call and I go, hey, how you doing? You okay? What's been happening? You know why? You know why I do it? Because I've tried to walk alone. When God, when, when, when God sent us to Eunice and Pastor Bubba said, you, you, you and Cheryl need to go to Eunice, can I tell you, I all of a sudden felt isolated? Can I tell you, when we came here, I felt like I was left alone? We're 45 minutes from Jennings. I was in the love palace, baby. I mean, I was in the middle. It was like there was family all around me. And God sent us over here and it was like, hello. And all these demons started coming. (laughs) I'm like, Lord. And so I tried to do it in my own. I tried to muscle through. Can I tell you, I spent probably the first two and a half years trying to muscle through. Why do we stay by ourselves? Why do, we, why do we let the enemy discourage us for so long? Together you can, you can gain encouragement. You know, I love, I love life groups because, man, we have one Tuesday nights and Thursday nights. and I love life groups because I've, I've learned the art of shutting up. <laughs> you know, I, at first I kind of felt like I was the chief encourager. <laughs> And so we sit in the corner over there, and, and I'll, I'll usually lead the group, and then I'll kind of just ease back, and I'll watch. And guys will start to encourage other guys. I'm not threatened. I'm not insecure. I'm not, I'm not like, oh, shut up. I'm the chief around here. I know it's none of that. I'm like, come on, baby. Come on, bring it. Encourage that, brother. Let your encouragement come out. Let let it come out. Learn how to look at another man and say, bro, you can do it. Bro, don't quit. This is making sense. And it must be good because y'all quiet. I'm just going to say that's good. We need to encourage one another, but you got to open yourself up to that because together you gain encouragement. Number five, my last point. It's together you gain strength. You gain strength together. Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle. It goes on to say with flesh and blood. Can I tell you something this morning? The enemy wants to get you into a wrestling match. You know what wrestling is, right? I'm not talking about the WW wrestling. Get your mind right. That stuff, that stuff's fake. Sorry if I offended you, but it's just fake. Wrestling 
Roman Greco wrestling is a one-on-one event. It's where one man ties into it with a... Ladies do it too. Tie into another person and they wrestle it until somebody wins. The enemy wants to get you into a wrestling match. But that word right there says that you're putting on armor. I don't know if you've ever been to a Roman Greco wrestling match, but they're wearing these cute little tights. Just saying. There's no armor. (laughs) It's not a wrestling match. It's a battle. The enemy wants to engage you one-on-one and make you think, well, come on, bro, let's do it. He'll sucker punch you. Boom. And then you think, I got to go fight the devil all by myself. Can't bring nobody with me. It's not a wrestling match. It's a battle where we lock arms together. And we take ground for the kingdom. Remember, two is strong. Three is unbreakable. Right? So bring somebody else into your battle. Don't do it alone. If it's just a simple text message. Yo, bro, going through it today, man. I need some prayer. We're stronger together. You know this to be true that you're going to go through some hell in life. Can I just say that word this morning? You're going to go through some hell. But you don't have to go through it alone. Can I also tell you this morning that you can't choose what you're going to walk through. But you can choose who you're going to walk through it with. Right? Some of you don't know what's coming tomorrow. You don't know what's in store for you when you get to work. You don't know what's in store for you when you get on the, you go to start your car in the morning. You don't know what's in store for you, but you don't have to do it by yourself. Amen. And I'm telling you that God designed this, this society called church, his people to be a family that impacts the world. That if we'll ever learn how to get together put our preferences and our opinions aside and let the pride fall and say, you know what? I need you and I need you and I need you. I just need some help. Can somebody help me? And listen, when I'm up, I'll help you when you're down. But when I'm down, will you help me when you're up? If we'll just start to do that, man, this thing will start to change. The the church of God will become powerful again. It'll get strong again. It'll take ground for the kingdom again. Maybe you'll, you'll get past that generational curse. Maybe some chains will really start to fall. Maybe some freedom will really start to happen. I wonder what happens when we say, I'm tired of doing this by myself. I'm going to invite some other people into my life. I'm going to join a life group. And I'm going to speak when I'm there. I'm going to open my mouth, share what God's dealing with me about, and I'm going to trust this family that God's planted me into. I thank God for the people in my life. I thank God for the people that call me and they say, you okay? I go, I think so. Why? I was just praying for you this morning, man. The Lord just had you on my heart. Okay, is there anything I need to know? 
No, just praying for you. Appreciate that. I accept it. I'll keep on moving. Right? It's a reminder that I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Jesus didn't build his church alone. He doesn't want us to be alone. He never intended for us to do ministry alone, to walk through our time on this planet alone. He wants us to do it together because he knows we're better. Come on, say it with me. We're better together. I'm going to stop before my shirt gets soaking wet. But I want to encourage you with this. I know it's scary. And I know sometimes it's tough to just open up and say what you've walked through. Sometimes I know it's just downright embarrassing to tell other people and let them know what's going on in your life. But can I tell you this? And can I promise you this? That if you'll trust God and the people that he leads you to and the people that he wants you to walk with and you'll begin to open up that James 5 will become alive to you. That when we confess our sins to one another and pray for one another we may receive healing. Can I say that? And I want to leave you with this last thought. The enemy always wants you to be alone. Here's the indicator. If you ever feel like retreating and isolating, something needs to go off in your head that says, you know what? I need to stay and I need to communicate. Right? If you're tempted to hide, stay out in the open. If you're tempted to push back into your corner that you've been trying to get out of your whole life, stay. Stay in the place that God has you and learn how to communicate. Amen?